you're listening to the next team podcast hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of the next team podcast f1 and yes we're back with episode 11 uh, it's me tarun and him yash we're joining you a couple of days after what was a very exciting season opener back in bahrain and uh, we have a lot of things to talk about and before we jump in right into that yash please take it away yes guys so thank you so much for all your support uh I, it really means a lot to us uh, whenever we get a likes shares comments on our youtube spotify uh, whichever channels we are on so do make sure to check out our social media content we are at uh, instagram and tiktok at the next team sg and we are on spotify and youtube at the next team podcast over to you tarun Yep, thank you Yash. Guys, please do listen to him. Check us out on our platforms. All links will be in our descriptions. And now let us jump into it. And of yep, course, let's go. um let's go in. Let's start in a chronological order. We do have to talk about qualifying first. Yeah. Um after you know at the end of the three practice sessions, qualifying was the the real point where you could be like, you know, no teams are sandbagging anymore. Mm. And um This is this is it. This is the real thing. So yeah, uh, first one Q one we saw uh, Latifi stroll, Ricciardo, Hulkenberg, and Yuki Tsunoda go down. Uh, mm-hmm. Come on, Yash, what's your reactions when you saw that Papaya car out in Q one? Uh, uh, what can I say, man? It was a big shock to me. You know, I mean, like after all the hype around McLaren, we had after Barcelona, and even like in Bahrain, they did have a tough test with all their brake issues and. All the different issues they had with their car, but it still looked a decent car, you know, in testing. Uh, but then come this weekend, everything just went downhill for McLaren. Like um, the car was utter garbage. Uh, genuinely, I mean, it, it it gave me memories of the old McLaren Honda days, <laughs> if I if I must say. I mean, there was a point in the race where I think Ricardo and Norris, both of them, had turns uh, in the twentieth position. I mean, that's obviously for the race. We'll get back to that uh, eventually. Hmm. But like yeah, I didn't expect McLaren to be struggling that much. I mean, okay, you could say for Ricardo, uh, you can you know cut him a little bit of slack because he just recovered from COVID. He missed the Bahrain test last weekend, and he's only had basically three days of limited running. And then even when he came into uh, this weekend, I believe he had a bit of water leak or some issues as well in one of the practice sessions. So like his running was really limited to you know really understand the car. Mm-hmm. And for a driver like Ricardo, who has not been at the top of his game since last season, uh, missing such crucial days, especially in a new generation of the cars, is going to cause you know a lot of uh, trouble basically for him. Uh, so I, I guess you could cut a bit of slack for him, but then you could just see that overall the pace of the car was not there. It looks stable surprisingly, but then there's just no pace. So I guess it's more of a performance issue where maybe probably you could say that the brake issues with McLaren are having it's kind of hampering the performance. So let's see, maybe over time they'll fix that issue up. Um, yeah, I guess time will tell, man. Yep, time will tell. We'll see. And also another thing, you know, is the three Mercedes engines out in Q one. Uh, yeah, that was very that, surprising, wasn't it? Right. Would that be uh, something to worry about for them? Um, you could say, I guess. Um, I mean, it's really hard to tell, you know, because uh, the thing is, if you talk about Mercedes engine, then you kind of have to categorize Mercedes with, you know, the actual factory team with that whole thing. But then Mercedes, in terms of at least the engine power, is pretty decent. Uh, I don't think there's any issues with the car in that department. Then issues were obviously a whole different uh, ballgame. Mm-hmm. So, but it is worrying. I I guess the thing is probably that with this whole new regulations and. The whole because the whole new Mercedes package, uh, I guess it it will take teams a little bit of time to understand how they can probably get the most out of it. Like a teams like McLaren and uh, Williams, they they will always have a little bit of less information compared to your the manufacturer. You know, like mm-hmm. the manufacturer is not going to give everything to the suppliers basically to the, to the teams. I mean, so um, I I guess that's the reason why you you probably saw a little bit of the the Mercedes power team struggling, but. It was a genuine surprise because usually you always associate Mercedes with the top, you know, really good engine performance. Right. And yeah, it, it's it's just I guess again like it's just one race. It's too small of a sample for us to really judge if the Mercedes engine is actually not that great this season. 
So yeah, let's let's see over the next few races if that's really the case. Yep. And of course, uh, Yuki rounding off um, the Q1 eliminations. We'll come back to him later when we talk about mm -hmm. uh, Red Bull issues. And then uh, we talk about Q2, Guan Yu Zhou, Albon, Norris, again, the other papaya yeah. car, uh, Mick Schumacher and Esteban Ocon. Um, yeah. this, this five were out. Any, any particular surprises for you? Uh, not really, actually. I mean, obviously, well, as a McLaren fan, you'd expect McLaren to be in Q3, so that's a little bit of a surprise. But then considering Ricardo went out in Q1, you, right. you couldn't really call it a surprise. I think it kind of set the pace for the qualifying, really yeah, set the yeah. pace for the whole weekend for uh, McLaren. Exactly, yeah. But I would say uh, in terms of the main surprises, of course, Haas, because uh, they look really good. Mick look really good as well. I mean, you don't have to talk about K-Mag, you know, one of the most experienced drivers of the grid. Yep. Um, but even Mick looked really good in the car. Obviously, not quite up to K-Max standards, which is, if you look at it in a whole bigger perspective, is a little bit uh, absurd because, you know, uh, Mick has had a lot more running in the car compared to K-Max, who just literally flew down to Bahrain like last week. Hmm. So uh, that's a little bit. But then that's just testament to what a great driver K-Max is. And Haas did a brilliant job to get him back. Uh, so I would say in terms of surprise and positive surprise, of course, Haas, like the team, the car looks really good. It looked competitive. I think mm -hmm. even in Q1, uh, Mick was actually in top 10, I think, like when uh, at the end of Q1 elimination, I can't remember, mm -hmm. but I believe he was in the top 10 as well uh, in, in, in that Q1 session. So right. like times are looking good, man, for like in terms of they look to have a really good pace car, like a race car as well as a qualifying car, Haas. So I guess those two years hiatus from the top, uh, is kind of helping Gunther Steiner regain his ship back on track. <laughs> yeah. Yep, for sure. And of course, uh, the final 10 shootout, um, Q3. So uh, I'm not going to read out the entire order, but, you know, just looking at it, you know, while you're watching it, uh, what, what was your reaction, you know? You don't have a car in the fight now. There's no, uh, there's no McLarens in there. Um, yep. So what was your what was your prediction actually? Who did you think was gonna get pulled? I mean, okay, to be uh, I think even in my preview I said I thought Max would probably get pole position because they just looked like a, such a strong package uh, from preseason and everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, no doubt Ferrari looks strong as well. But in terms of raw pace, you could always say that you know Red Bull's probably there. Uh, so I was definitely rooting for Max to get pulled. Uh, but then the one drive which is really rooting for is actually about three Bottas. <laughs> uh, I mean, even Alpha is getting a bit quiet unnoticed that they have, they seem to have developed a really good car. Mm -hmm. And you see there's this trend that it's the Mercedes, not Mercedes, sorry, the Ferrari engines are actually doing really good, uh, uh, at least in, like in Bahrain at least. Yep. So That's like true. Haas was in top 10, uh, Alpha is in the top 10. Yeah. And Ferrari so, themselves, obviously. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's why. So... Um, I was actually rooting for Bottas, and he did really well. I think qualified P six, I think. Was yes, it P six. Yeah, right beside Lewis. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, qualifying was really interesting, man. Like, uh, I think the top three are separated by just one tenth of a second, and I, I, I believe like yep. Max could have gotten pole. Uh, I think in the last lap, not like yeah, in his final Q three run, in the very last corner, he had a bit of an oversteer moment. Hmm. which kind of cost him a little bit of split second. I guess that's what cost him the pole, I would say. But then I think if you, if you look at it whole perspective, I think Ferrari definitely had a faster package. Uh, they were just, you know, you, you, as, you know, you associate Mercedes with sandbagging. I think Ferrari were a little bit sandbagging, keeping their hands in the pocket until qualifying. So yeah, it, it was a great show, man. It was really great. What about you? What's, uh, who are you rooting for? And what are your thoughts on Mercedes so far? Mercedes so far, um, yeah, let me just start with that. You know, I think throughout all the free practices, it, it did set the tone for the weekend. Uh, mm. It was kind of clear that, you know, we're not going to be challenging for the race win uh, right. just yet. And mm. of course, you know, Q1, Q2 showed that. And by the time Q3 came about, it was just a matter of uh, just getting close enough to, to the top teams, to, to the top, the fastest cars, basically. Right. And uh, I guess fifth place, uh, P5 for Hamilton, that was good. P9 mm. for Russell, 
guess you would expect more from uh, Mr. Saturday, but you know. Yeah, I mean, he made a mistake in the final run, locked yeah. up too deep into turn one. Yeah, so you can't, uh, I guess you can't blame him too much. Let's uh, let's see how he goes on with a few more yeah. races. I and I, I, I feel it's also because he had this uh, inert pressure, like more pressure on him because Mercedes were already not doing well. That he has more pressure on himself to actually do well to match Hamilton, you know. Yeah, for I feel sure. that's a added extra pressure which was on Russell as well, which probably led to him making a couple of mistakes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, not not a big deal because you, we know that that Mercedes car is a lot faster than P9. So oh yeah, and you showed it in the race, you know, made up all the places back. So yeah, I mean, I would say for Mercedes also the interesting thing which Toto said, uh, I don't know if you caught that is on Saturday or Saturday, I think Saturday after quality. Toto said that that was the first day ever since preseason testing started that they had very little issue with the proposing effect. Oh. So, so I, I guess you could say that the main issue of this car is definitely on the proposing, the bouncing of the car. Mm-hmm. So I guess once Mercedes sort that issue out, I'm pretty sure they'll claw back the three, four tens which are lacking in quality. But I would say the more concerning is the, the lack of race pace. And mm. I guess we'll come back to that eventually later on. Yeah, once we start talking about the race itself. I mean, uh, yeah, I think we can move on to the race itself if there's nothing else from Kali. Mm. Yeah, so um, the race, um, it was uh, it was something, wasn't it? Let's start with the... It was opening. the game of two halves, basically. Yep, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't even two halves, it was just like, you know, first two ends, 50... Yeah. 55 laps or something will find and 56 and 57 it just everything changed yeah um, exactly yeah so I guess I don't know I felt like that start there was nothing overly remarkable that mm-hmm. you wouldn't see in any other race did anything catch your eye with the race start I would say one thing which caught my eye is that it's very visible to us now as fans that the cars have become a lot slower. Mm. Like I had a friend who uh, recently got into F1 like a year back, text mm-hmm. me and say that, uh, why are the cars going so slow? <laughs> when in fact, it's just that, I mean, he knew that the whole aero change and everything, but then, you know, uh, it, it was just a lot of visible, like, especially in slow speed corners, like your turn one, your turn 10 the cars look really slow and especially when they're bunched up they literally look like they were tractors going sometimes yeah uh, from the aerial cam shots especially but but i mean i'm not saying like i'm i'm against this regulation i'm just saying that this new wrecks have made the cars a little bit slower mm-hmm. but i feel to me at the end of the day if that led to a lot greater racing a lot more closer racing then i'm all for it and i think we saw quite a bit of it in this race as well like yep. uh, mm-hmm. the drivers said it could follow a lot better then we had those three, four laps of great battle between Max and Leclerc at, uh, <laughs> in, into turn one, consequently, consequent laps also. Yep. So, so I guess that really showed that you can actually over, like follow the car pretty well, overtake. But the other issue teams faced was in terms of, I think a lot of drivers were having brake temps, really high brake temps throughout mm-hmm. the race. So I'm not sure whether it's related to the aero or if it's something just purely based on... Um, track specific or like car specific uh that that that's something i'm not too sure about but yeah i mean it's it's kind of promising i guess good signs but like i said small sample size we need to go on to tracks which are more difficult to overtake and then that's when we'll really start to see if oh this new wrecks are actually making the effect which they're thought to make an effect yeah i think the the true test would be when you go to like monaco or even singapore um, yeah. that's when we will really I, find think, out. I think we can take Monaco out of the equation because with the cars the tires being so big I just don't see how two cars are going to fit into that narrow street of Monaco it's right it's yes. going to take a lot of balls to steal basically if you're <laughs> to send send it down the inside of someone in Monaco for sure yeah, um, yeah so um, opening not too much to talk about um, the uh, the racing that you mentioned between Leclerc and uh, Verstappen, of course, something to yeah. be talked about. Um, right after Verstappen pitted to try and undercut, I believe. Yeah. And uh, okay, let me see if I'm remembering this right. Uh, Leclerc pitted the following lap. He came out yeah. just in front, and they yeah, fought zero point two or three more laps after it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I was actually really surprised with that because uh, Max was about I think four seconds behind. 
Mm-hmm. That crack when he pitted, and in that one lap, he managed to gain four seconds almost on him, which is kind of insane, actually. Yep. And let let's just take this into consideration. That actually, Ferrari did a really good strategy in the sense that they pitted immediately, and mm-hmm. then their pit stops are really quick. If you look at them, they're yes, only two point five, two point six seconds around yep. there. I think uh, so, many of the other teams are getting like high twos and even low threes. Yeah, exactly. And I was. Uh, yeah, these guys had it. Which is kind of surprising because you always associate Ferrari making strategic blunders. So. Exactly. A lot of things have changed for Ferrari this year. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, but, you know, just slightly off topic on the uh, mm-hmm. since we're talking about pit stops, uh, the fastest yeah. one of the weekend went to Ricciardo, actually. Oh, wow. At least some consolation prize for Ferrari. <laughs> yep. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I feel like that battle, that the one thing that stood out for me was how how calm Leclerc was throughout the whole thing. Yeah, Because, yeah, uh, you know, all the way, he was not trying to force Max off the track. Mm-hmm. He was not trying to, uh, you know, push his way through. He just, yeah. uh, every time they went to turn one, he gave the space. He let Max break hard and burn his tires. Yeah. And he just took it right back to a three corners later. And I feel like that is the kind of race craft that you need to have as a champion driver. No, absolutely. I feel that it was uh, it was a remarkable like remarkable racing from both of them. Like both of them showed each other a lot of respect, mm-hmm. and both of them raced hard. You know, and I feel the crowd was really smart at every time whenever the um, Stappen came down. I was, I was kind of getting surprised because the ones the Stappen sent it from way back. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, it was Martin Bundle saying it's like eight times back, and he just sent it down mm-hmm. inside. But but the crowd was smart. He he always anticipated that got the cut back, got the DRS and got him back at the end of turn four. Yeah. Uh, in turn four. So um, I feel I Leclerc think, played it really beautifully. Yeah, I think that was the time I uh, I saw Leclerc went a little bit wider into turn one. Yeah. Yep. He got a really good switch back, basically. Exactly. I, I was like, oh, damn it. He just, he lost his line. And then he just makes a beautiful switch back and he takes that line back. And Max exactly. is just going too deep to uh, fight back. I'll like, break oh, him, God. exactly. Oh my god, this guy yeah. is serious. I guess that's the kind yeah. of thing that you know you don't really see from the clerk in the last couple of years because Ferrari haven't been that in that fight just yet. Yeah. But when, when no, it I mean, does I, come yeah, when it does come to it, he's a he's a magnificent driver, isn't he? Absolutely. I mean, uh we haven't seen a lot of him in terms of pure racing crowd, but we have heard a lot about him from F2. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's once in Bari, he basically came from last to finish first, I think, in F2, one of the when he was in F2. So mm. we know he's a brilliant racer, brilliant driver. And if Ferrari actually have a real championship winning car, I mean, I don't want to say anything too much because it's just a first race. Yep. And honestly, over the season is the development of the car, which is going to make a big difference. The big teams are going to invest a lot of money. They're going to get their upgrades in. Your Mercedes is going to come back firing. Red Bull is already quick. They, they will probably somehow go even quicker. We know that. So, like, Ferrari can't afford to drop the ball game if they want to stay in the fight. So, they have to upgrade their car and keep up with the pace of the competition as well. Yeah. So, yeah, but coming back to Leclerc, I mean, um, one thing which uh, I noticed, um, okay, not I noticed, I saw on Twitter, actually, uh, Will Buxton tweeted, mm-hmm. is that on the main straight, Leclerc actually stayed in seventh gear instead of shifting up to the eighth gear oh. so that he would take, he would allow Max to overtake him so that at the end of turn two, turn three, he would get the DRS so that he could overtake him back. And then that's when he shifted up to eighth gear to overtake him. And I didn't notice that. So I went back to look at the onboards and he actually did that, which is, I mean, that, that just shows his real brilliant racing IQ, you know? Yep. And yeah, I mean, that's why I was really surprised by what Verstappen was doing. I, I felt first time he went in, I was like, okay, that's fine, didn't work out. Second time he went in, I was like, why is he trying again? He should just wait until he gets out of that turn one, turn two, and then overtake him on the turn three back straight, basically. Right. So, and I don't know, like the step, sorry? No, go ahead. Now, I was just saying that I felt the seven was really off the game, like in this race, like even after the safety car restart, which we'll come back to eventually. Mm-hmm. But since you're on the topic of the seven and Leclerc, when the uh, seven, I mean, I know he had power issue steerings and all that uh, during that time, but even when you looked at a restart of the, his safety car, I don't know why he was trying to pick the inside line, which was going to compromise his straight line speed all the way down. Mm. And like, I don't, I don't know what was going on with him, man. And he was very, I don't know, uh, 
you heard his team radius, I'm sure. He was, he was basically pissed the entire race. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I guess it was an off day for him. But uh, it was very unlike the world champion, Verstappen, you know, I felt. Yep. Um, I mean, since we did talk about safety cars, and uh, what did bring out the safety cars was... Uh, uh, it was Gasly with the yeah. power issue, wasn't it? Uh, was it power? I thought he had uh, some electrical, electrical was it? Yeah, Sorry? electrical issue. Yeah, so I guess this is where we need to get a little bit more technical with our race analysis because mm. uh, there's all sorts of reports, you know. Uh, some are saying that uh, the, the Red Bulls had a fuel pump issue with a homologated part and it is unrelated to the electrical issue others are saying that it's the same thing and you know uh, there's some big flaw with uh, with uh, Red Bull powertrains yeah. and uh, what what have you gathered so far from you know Reddit and Twitter um, honestly I, I do not know man like I felt that probably for the uh, ghastly incident I would say it's probably some electrical issue um, uh, which caused the fire, basically. But, like, yeah, I feel like Reddit's quite split on, like, the what happened to Red Bulls, basically, because, like, the mm-hmm. probability of having the same failure on two different cars and literally the same time. I mean, you think about it in just a logical perspective, it's pretty slim. Of the same part, that too. Like, it's not even, like, completely something different-related part. Mm. So, I mean, I found it really surprising that it, it was indeed actually the same thing. Like, I felt actually when Perez spun, I thought he just lost it on traction. So did I. I, I thought someone, I, my first thought was, oh, damn it, did Hamilton rear-end him? And this, is that why yeah, it spun? Yeah, exactly. And then they showed that rear wing footage and I was like, oh, thank God. No contact, <laughs> no penalties this time. The podium is on. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it was weird because I just thought he just lost it in turn one. Um, but yeah. actually, I feel like the chances of having two failures in the same engine, uh, like, you know, in the mm. same powertrain uh, yeah. at the same time, is actually a lot higher than, than you make it out to be. Because yeah. if it's a systematic problem, it is going to come up at that point right, right. In, in all systems, you know. It's, mm. So uh, I think logically that is, that is probably what is happening. Maybe it's something with uh, the, the power I mean, train I itself. Heard there's rumors, yeah, I heard there's rumors that there's some, because like you said, it's a homologated part. So that means yeah. FI basically supply that part to mm. all the teams and it's the same part, everyone's running the same part. So, so there's, there's rumors circulating that probably the part given to Red Bull was either defect, defective or there, there's some issues basically with the whole manufacturing process or... I mean, that, that's, it's just all rumours, you know. Uh, mm. it's, we, we do not know. I guess Red Bull knows the answer. And have they released any statement? I don't think they have, right? They just said that there's some fuel pump issue. Yeah, that's the all uh, Kristen Horner said. He just said it was the fuel pump issue. Right. Um, but there's okay. also all sorts of things going around with, you know, saying that maybe it is actually the MGU because mm. uh, both cars had yeah, uh, the harvesting light on the rear wing right, turned right. on. Uh, just before that reminds me, it was the MGU, I think, for Gasly. I'm not sure uh, if it was the K or H, but I know it was one of them. I remember reading it somewhere. So it was right. one of those parts which actually failed for Gasly. But but I guess it's a concern, you know, like for it's three out of the four Honda cars had reliability mm-hmm. issues this race. When um, Yuki is the only one to finish the race with your engine, you know, it's exactly it's not a good sign. It's not exactly so. I guess it's a little bit concerning, but I don't think it's anything of a big issue. Uh, because if, if it's just a part failure, then I guess sometimes you know you're supplied defect parts and it happens, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you can't always go through the whole like, even if you go through quality control checks and everything, there's sometimes some failure might always happen. Yep, so um, I guess you could just say bad luck and karma for Red Bull for celebrating in Abu Dhabi, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean. It's it is a very unpredictable sport. You never know what the smallest part that fails is gonna ruin your whole race. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, did it give you uh, any Abu Dhabi flashbacks about a safety car? Yes, it did. Especially the uh, the safety car restart, and then they showed the numbers, and I was like, oh my god, what are they are they doing it again? And then yeah. I I I later found out that that was all the cars that were left, and they were just being right. extra clear, but it was just you know. Uh, mm. 
uh, terrifying scenes. Right, right. Um, I, I can't was it Crofty? I think Croft, I was listening commentary. Crofty made this uh, beautiful comment. I mean, it was a hilarious comment saying that, you know, uh, if any, like, he mentioned all the lap cars, basically, mm-hmm. and so that uh, the race directors, they just take note of this in case, like, because, you know, race directors watch a live feed, hear live commentary <laughs> and everything. So in case if you need help, I'm giving you all the race, like, the lap cars numbers, for you, which is pretty hilarious, I would say. Yeah, I mean, uh, no, one is, just no one's really forgotten it, have they? I mean, yeah, I don't think it's going to be forgotten anytime soon. I guess since we're on that topic, let's just do a quick touch up because uh, over the weekend, the FI released their official report, investigation report. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you have a chance looking at it and what's your thoughts on it? I didn't look through the whole thing. I just skimmed through it. Yeah. Um, it just seems to tell me that Michael Massey was acting to the In best interests of the race yeah. and it was just a human error. And uh, honestly, yeah. I don't know what to make of it. It is. Okay. Yeah, it, it just feels like pointless at this point. They already right, replaced right. him. Uh, we have the new director, new directors, multiple. Okay. And uh, I mean, the championship is given. They're not going to move it back. So, yeah, eh, whatever. And also, at the end of the day, let's just look at the whole perspective. Like, Verstappen won it on fair terms, you know, like, yep, he didn't do sure. anything wrong, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, it's also like if you talk about this whole giving the championship or voiding a championship and stuff it's i feel it's unfair yeah but but what i would like to say about this whole thing is that i i do admit that i feel that uh the report was uh correct in the sense that it mentioned that there was human error mm-hmm. but at the same time the report also did mention that you know uh Masi was basically entitled to do what he wanted to do at the same time yep uh essentially uh so i guess there's this rules and all the integrity part of the rules which fi need to strengthen out stay and, but and as, actually as from whole, what from what I heard, they haven't changed that part of the rules yet that allows the okay. race director exclusive control over safety car and everything. Right, right. Uh, but but I think they have they have new uh, like yeah they tech, do have like a new department uh, in that whole FIA the race directing department I think too. Correct. Uh, they have new race directors. Obviously, they have a new system on how yeah. they operate. And so I think now there's two race directors, so they're going yeah, to split they, their duties or something like that. Yep, yeah, they take turns for each race. Yeah, something like that. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah but but I mean, my whole perspective of this whole situation, I feel like it's time for everyone to just move on on this whole thing. Because uh, like it's happened, you know, things happen, humans make mistakes. And I'm, I'm certain that Marcy acted in good faith as well, because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, if he acted, uh, you know, in an in interest of the team, then it's just, I, I don't know what to say, but I'm, I'm, so, I'm confident enough that he probably acted in good faith and he felt whatever he was doing was the right thing to do at the moment, given time. Yeah. But obviously, in a whole perspective of things, uh, it probably may not have been the right decision. I think his intent was right, but the way he executed it was wrong. Hmm. So I feel like it's just time to move on, keep like close the book, close this chapter, because we've got a lot of exciting racing coming up in 2022. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, so that's a good way to sum up everything from last year that we didn't actually get to talk about before yeah. the season started. Um, anything else on the race, Yash? Uh, let's talk about some midfield teams, I feel. Uh, we haven't talked a bit like in the midfield. I feel this, it was pretty decent racing in the midfield, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I feel Yuki and uh, Bottas were having quite a bit of a battle. Bottas and... just cannot get away from looking at that real wing of the Alpha Tauri. <laughs> yeah. And that, that was one better. And I felt the person who I was most impressed with uh, was the rookie, Guang Yuzhou. And I think he had yeah. a brilliant race. He was overtaking. He was very mature. Made he had that one battle and... with uh, Lewis when Lewis just came out of the pits. I yeah. mean, granted, uh, Hamilton looked like Bambi on ice on those hard mm-hmm. tyres. But, yeah. you know, it, it was still remarkable as a rookie in an Alfa Romeo right. when you're going up against uh, one of the most decorated drivers of all time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I felt it was just a very mature drive from Grand Show, And I'll be honest with you that I felt like he did not deserve to sit. Like, I felt probably Antonio Giovinazzi was the best. He should have stayed at Alfa still. Mm-hmm. That was my own personal opinion. Yep. But I feel if he keeps on performing this kind of results over the season, I think my thoughts on him will really change because... 
I know that he's a great driver. I'm not taking anything away from him. I just mm-hmm. felt that probably Giovinazzi deserved that seat a lot more than him. Yep. But if he keeps on com- uh, performing this kind of results, I think the future is really bright for Alpha because they seem to have a really good car under them as well. And if Bottas is going to keep on getting into points and Zhou can get in into like every two races or something, I think that's a big achievement for Alpha as a team itself. Yep, for sure. And well, I mean, we might as well talk about the teams, right? Sum up. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about Alfa Romeo, and uh, well, let's talk about another team that's got decent points. Uh, the Haas. Going back to them. Yeah. So, I. Um. Let's see, Magnussen in fifth, Mick in eleventh, and I mean he did miss out on points. It yeah. was not very close to 10th place. Uh, do you think Mick is underperforming in relation mm-hmm. to Kevin? Or is, is Magnussen the one who is overperforming in relation to the car itself? Uh, I wouldn't... Okay, I would say it's a bit of both. But I don't think Mick is necessarily underperforming. I felt that just that for Mick as a driver, you know, like the whole of last season, he let's just be honest, he had a very low ceiling to compete mm-hmm. with. I mean, there was no bar, literally. He just put a step forward and he's going to be ahead, you know, for Mick. Yep. So, I feel like... race in P19, you'll probably beat his teammate. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he just ha- he doesn't even have to beat his teammate. He just has to be in the car. As long as he drives the car, he's going to be his teammate. Yep. Most likely, un- unless he had any failures. Yeah. So, uh, but that aside, like, I feel because of that, the whole season, he didn't really have much of competing. It kind of took away from him I mean, in, in a sense, like, you know that muscle memory kind of loses for you, like, in certain mm-hmm. situations where you might, you should be probably a lot faster, in, like, in race battles, especially. Right. And I felt probably that was what was lacking for Mick rather than outright pace. Mm-hmm. But then in terms of outright pace, you could also say that K-Mac might be overperforming the car. But honestly, we can only make this, like, I can only answer this question to you after a few, like, four or five races when we really see where this Haas car actually is because sometimes this car can be very track-specific. Mm-hmm. So Haas might perform really well in Bahrain, but then if you go to Saudi or you go to Australia where it gets a little bit more technical, uh, they might struggle. Who knows? Yep. So um, time will tell. I mean, this goes for all the teams, you know, not just Alpha. Mm, uh, sure. Sorry, not just for Haas. Yeah. Uh, Haas, yeah. Yep. And um, another team that's got decent points, uh, Alpine. With Ocon yeah. in seven, Alonso in ninth. Um, would, would Very you surprised say with them actually? Uh, so you, I'm guessing you wouldn't say that's where you would. Uh, that's where they would be expecting to finish. Um, I would say it's more where I thought they were after the end of uh, preseason testing, mm. because uh, I think in testing they didn't really look. Uh, they had a few issues. They didn't really look that quick, um, and the car looked okay, not too great, you know. Uh, that's what I really thought of Alpine. I thought, I mean, a lot of bookies actually had them like probably the seventh or eighth fastest team right. uh, at the end of testing. So I, I thought I thought that as well. But then they turn up, uh, the cars look great. They look pretty quick, good race pace. I think Alonso struggled particularly this race, not sure mm-hmm. why. Uh, but then Ocon had a brilliant race, you know, I mean, despite having a five second time penalty uh, for that spin on Mick mm-hmm. and lap one, he still managed to get P7, right, you said? Right. So, yeah, that's a fantastic result for him. Yep, that's true. I mean, despite that penalty, that was the only penalty of the race, right? From yeah, that was the only penalty. Yeah. Uh, pretty remarkable finish for him. Yeah. And uh, another remarkable finish, Yuki Sonoda, the lone Red Bull Ranger <laughs> in eighth place. Yeah. Um, I don't know. How, how would you stay, uh, put this AlphaTauri performance I feel like, you know, with Gasly out, yes, it is going to affect the judgment a little bit. But, you know, overall qualifying, everything included. Well, is that what they would be looking forward to? I would say, yeah, I guess for, uh, like, Alpha Tower, it's mainly just trying to get into the points. I don't think they have, I mean, they wouldn't have ambitions of trying to compete with the top because there's a conflict of interest there, you know, with Red Bull. Right. Yeah, so I guess for them, it's really about trying to get the points for the team uh, here and there. And if they can get the greater points, like 
Gasly has got a lot of time, P4s, P5s, uh, and that's even an added bonus, I would say. Mm. But with the competition being just so tight, I think for them it's really about trying to get into the points. And I think that's the same for a lot of mid- midfield teams. I think Haas is probably trying to do that as well. Alpine as well at the moment. And yeah, Alfa Romeo. All these teams are probably just fighting for the last scrap of the points, essentially. Mm. And I feel this season the competition is just so much harder. That I, I think it's going to be fascinating for the midfield battle at least uh, for the upcoming season. I just feel like this year's midfield battle we've had more teams because you have uh, McLaren from the front joining back into the midfield battle. You have Haas and Alfa Romeo yeah. from back Marcus and being pushed forward, forward into now. the midfield battle. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting. And uh, I mean, now well, apparently uh, the everyone's saying Haas are probably the fourth fastest team on the grid and <laughs> overtaking McLaren. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they were given their, uh, given their recent performance. Right. And uh, well, let's talk about Aston Martin, Stroll in twelve, Hulkenberg in seventeen. I guess you can give uh, Hulk a bit of a free pass. Yeah. Uh, sure. But Stroll, I mean, do you think he should be doing better, or is it just the car is not it's quite there? Car, yeah, I feel it's a car because they had a really disappointing qualifying as well, just like uh, McLaren. Mm-hmm. They were just, uh, I think they went out in Q1. Yeah, yep. both the cars both went out in Q1. Did. Yeah, and even in race pace, it didn't really look that great. Uh, I guess for Stroll, he really got fortunate with all the retirements <laughs> up ahead of him. And I mean, that goes to say for a lot of other drivers as well, it kind of helped them. But then, like, particularly, like, the position of Stroll, I would say, is not reflective of where the car is. Mm. in my opinion and it's I feel along the pace of where McLaren is at the moment which is at the back of the grid unfortunately right yeah, yeah. which yeah. is why it's going to be quite interesting because I believe Seb will come back this weekend or I hope he will come back this weekend I, I think but, so yeah uh, yeah I mean if he does come back that's great but also at the same time I feel like you know it, recovering from COVID and getting back in the car is a little bit um it's hectic, you know. So maybe he might want to just rest and come back in Australia. Uh, I don't know because uh, Aston Martin hasn't announced who's gonna like is Hulk gonna still stay in the car for Saudi. So yeah. I guess we shall see. But then it would be an interesting dynamic if Seth does not actually get a good car. Mm. Uh, there will be question marks on his future in the team. I feel. I feel he will start to doubt the team. Yeah, that's very true. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know when is his contract ending with uh, Aston Martin, but then. I feel at this stage, like, you know, Lawrence Stroll's been talking about this whole five-year project, but then now we are in the second year of the project. You should be looking at some sort of progress at least, you know. Right. Uh, at the moment, there's no sort of progress. So I hope they get their act together. And like I said earlier on in the show, that uh, it's, this season is going to be defined by development. So every time, every team has an equal chance of developing and getting forward into the uh, packing order. So never lot anybody, man. Even Williams, who knows, uh, in two, three races, they might be battling for the midfield places again. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I don't want to say it can only go up for Aston Martin, but we all know that's yeah. not true. This is F1. <laughs> it can go very, Probably very wrong low. as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and speaking of back markers, do you think it's going to get better for McLaren in the near future? I mean, I can only hope so, man. Like, as a fan, as a McLaren fan, I can only hope for positive things. Um, mm-hmm. I do not want to be too negative because I know that McLaren have the resources to get the team up. Uh, so money and everything, that's not the issue for us. But mm. the issue is really, have we got the car right? Uh, what are the issues? Are we able to fix the issues? And time is also of the essence, you know, because yep. you do not want to bring your upgrades too late into the season where you're already in a very strong back foot. Mm. And then it's going to take you a long time to crawl back up because the competition is just going to get harder and harder and harder. Yeah. So it's really about winning the development race. Like if there's something issue with the car, they should really fix it and bring it into hopefully by Australia because Australia, there's a decent amount of gap to produce and bring a new part or whatever they need to the race. So, but I really think it's just a break, uh, break disc issue. That's because I believe uh, Andrew Seidel actually said that the uh, front brake disc, which they were using because of the whole issue they had were a lot larger. Mm-hmm. So it created a lot more drag and reduced their downfalls essentially. I see. So that's probably one of the reasons why they're struggling. And also the whole thing affected their braking in the corners as well. So they carried a lot less speed into the corners. So yep. that's I mean, my understanding anything, of it. 
anything yeah. that affects your aerodynamic is going to affect every part of your race because you're going to be exactly. slower through the slow corners, you're going to be slower through the fast corners, you're going to be slower on the straights. So exactly, it's, it's, exactly. yeah, that's really the probably the, the, the main part of the car that you should yeah. be looking at. And, uh, and honestly, the only reason I felt why McLaren looked even worse is just that, you know, in race stream, you're just putting more fuel and mm. the car becomes a lot heavier and this gets an even heavier effect on the car, essentially. Yep. So, I mean, it's not a big issue. If it's really just a break this issue, it's not a big issue in a whole perspective because you just need to fix one part, you get that part right and yeah, your car probably sorted and you just got to take the performance back. But if it's a whole bigger issue, then that's something worrying for McLaren, I would say. Hmm. Hopefully, we don't have to go back to the GP2 days of McLaren. <laughs> yeah. And man. rounding off the 10 teams, Williams, I guess, uh, haven't really been talked about much at all this weekend. I think the expectations were low mm. after testing. And yeah. the expectations remain low after mm. the first race. Um, yeah. Do you see them challenging for anything above than, um, I don't know, 16, 17? Uh, maybe probably not 15. in the near future. Yeah, probably not in the near future. But I, I do feel that Williams, with the like with the team as a franchise, they are they have the resources to bring the car up the grid. Hmm. Uh, and because I believe in the previous seasons they didn't upgrade the car because they wanted to focus on this year. Yep. And although they did not get it uh, right as they would have hoped, uh, they're still you know it's it's a long season basically. Mm-hmm. So I, I do feel that, oh, at least I hope, because for a team like Williams, I do hope for them to at least uh, battle for the last points position. Uh, maybe not on a regular basis, but at least have a car competing enough to actually battle, you know. Hmm. And I think it is decent enough. Like, we have seen Albert. Albert had a decent race. I think he finished P13. Yep, 13. Wrong. Yeah, yeah, P13. Ahead of the and, McLarens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he still, like, he was able to battle the McLarens. There's quite a bit of battle going on with the Astons. Hmm. So, I mean, it's it's obvious that no team is way too far behind. It's cool. just that these teams are a little bit behind in the midfield pack where they should be. So, it's just about closing that fine gap. Uh, hmm. And the margins are so small, you know. Like Christian Honor said in Drive to Survive, small margins make a big difference. So. <laughs> Yep, I mean yeah. that's just how that's just how F one rolls, you know. Yeah, it's always a small margins, but I guess and that sums up um the ten teams. Uh, we are yet to talk about one team in particular, though, Ferrari. Ah. We haven't spoken anything about them. Right. Um, of course, it was a magnificent showing, I would say, from the Italian team. Yep. Uh, a comprehensive win, pole, uh, title win. Uh, sorry, not title win. <laughs> uh, pole race win and fastest lap and right. uh, so I do you, do you think they can continue this form obviously it's always a risky question when you're talking about Ferrari because yeah. of how quickly you can all go south but they are the Arsenal of F1 <laughs> <laughs> yeah you could say that uh, maybe a bit more successful than Arsenal but yeah for sure <laughs> yeah uh, yeah do you think they can maintain this form at least throughout the triple hitter? Uh, let's see, I guess. Um, I mean, I think a lot of Ferrari fans are really optimistic about this season. And me, despite not being a Ferrari fan, it's great to see the Ferrari name as a brand back on the top because it's been a long time. I mean, we were there when we last witnessed a Ferrari 1-2 in Singapore 2019. Yep. So, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's just nice to see them. Like, you don't have to be a Ferrari fan to like Ferrari, you know? Mm-hmm. There's, there's just something about a team which just attracts F1 fans to a team, basically. And I mean, the, their driver pairing is the one which gets me really excited. And I feel that's one of the best driver pairings in the grid with Sainz and Leclerc, who I feel are basically equally matched. Like, I feel Sainz, is, Sainz gets a lot of, st- not stake, but he's a very underrated driver, in my opinion. Mm. He does his job smoothly. Maybe qualifying is sometimes not his best strength, but he always turns up, turns up in the races. And um, yeah, I mean, once again, he turned up, you know, I mean, obviously he was a bit behind the crack for most of the race, but then, you know, when the chance came, he was there, you know, he made, he made sure that he was always ahead of Perez, hmm. who we could probably say Perez had maybe a faster car than him in, in the whole perspective. So, I mean, yeah, it's, quite, to, it's not sorry? easy to challenge Verstappen and stay comprehensively ahead of Perez for 
almost an entire race. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, science made it look very easy. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel he was just a lone racer in the entire race, where he was just really good doing his thing, what he had to do. Mm-hmm. Like, like everyone calls him the smooth operator. So living I up mean, to the name. Yeah, absolutely. Man. Um, so I guess the future looks bright for Ferrari, but then, like I've said early on in the show again, that they have to keep this up. Uh, they need to bring upgrades whenever other teams bring upgrades. Mm. Because we have seen like uh, Red Bull in testing, they bought one upgrade and that improved them by a second, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's all about a competition and you got to stay ahead of the competition. And I guess I really hope Mercedes come into the f- uh, fight as well. Because if they really do, then I think we're going to have a bang of a season. Like you <laughs> have essentially three drivers competing for the world championship. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really George Russell out as well, but uh, who knows, man? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, okay. I think we didn't really talk too much about Mercedes either. Uh, but yeah. while we're on the topic, this race was really just damage limitation, you know? Uh, I think the whole team was willing to admit that. And I am too, you know. Um, we had to limit the damage and we did very, very well thanks to... Uh, I mean, you guys exceeded a, expectations, basically. Yeah, very much, you know. I think the, yeah. the aim was maybe fifth and sixth, ideally. Exactly. And uh, exactly. podium and fourth. Uh, excellent points for all on in a race where we never really looked like podium favourites to begin with. Yeah. Um, right up until lap... 56 no lap 57 i was not hopeful of a podium but you know things just happen uh yeah, things man. just fall into place in the end and uh it, special it, shout out to lewis hamilton sorry uh special shout out to lewis hamilton who has uh i think he has matched schumacher's record of uh most seasons with at least one podium oh is it oh, yeah you know, i'm not sure if matched or broke the record but yeah most seasons with at least one podium Okay, that's 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 a good stat to have, I guess. I mean, he's already broken numerous stats, so it's hard to keep count of all the stats he's broken. Yeah, I think the key for Mercedes now is to just keep working on the purposing issue. That is really the main concern at the moment. Uh, mm-hmm. Engine-wise, you know, I think they can still compete, but the the arrow package has to be spot on if they want to yeah. stand a chance of the race wins. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, promising future ahead. I think it uh, requires a lot of work for sure. Yep. I mean, yeah, I guess that's the real main issue for them. Mm-hmm. Like in the race phase, they were like about I think nine tenths of laps over almost, and they had really high tire decks as well. Correct. I, I think, think Hamilton did a four stop. I think, if I'm not it- wrong. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, he, I just remember they were like messing around with the tires. They gave him the hard. Yeah, yeah, he did a four stop, I think. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he did it. Three or four stops for sure. So, yeah, I mean, I guess to, to close that gap is going to be a big challenge for them. And they have to do it quickly. Yeah. Because uh, Ferrari and uh, Red Bull look really like they look the front leaders at the moment. So, I hope by Australia or maybe the European season at least they can sort out their issues because. Mm. If it's anything later, then it's like the whole championship's basically gone. I mean, after that, it's really just, you know, damage limitation for the whole season. Yeah, exactly. And you're just trying to maybe rescue a, a third or fourth in the constructors. I mean, the funny thing about this is that last season, Mercedes stopped their development of the car mid-season so that they could focus on this year's car. Whereas Red Bull was still developing their actual last year's car because they wanted to win the championship. Right, the, right until the end of the season. Exactly, yeah. And after all this, still Red Bull had the, one of the, you could say probably the fastest car still. Hmm. So, yeah, I guess it's something Mercedes have gotten wrong. I don't know how much is their no side pot actually working <laughs> as much as they think. Um, yeah, probably not as good as they wanted to. Yeah. So, uh, you know, sometimes ideas always look a lot better in the head than they actually do in reality. So, true. I mean, when, when Gunther Steiner says that, you know, we considered this idea, but it was, we decided against it. And mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's a bit of a warning sign, I think. Yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> yep. Um, well, next race, we look forward to the Saudi Arabian GP. Um, yep which is happening this coming weekend, by the way, for those of you who are not aware. So um, predictions, poll and 
uh, race winner. Yash, do you want to go first? Okay. Uh, let's say Paul is going to go to Verstappen still. I, I do feel that, uh, I mean, last year he had this amazing quality lap until he binned it into the wall, mm. unfortunately. Yep. Um, but I, I still do feel like, I feel, I mean, just by God, it instincts with Xiaomi. And I'm in no way a Verstappen fan. Like, I do like Verstappen, but I'm not saying this as a fan. I'm saying this, I still do feel that uh, Red Bull actually do have the fastest car still. I feel that um, Bahrain was a little track specific because uh, Ferrari always looked quick in Bahrain, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. 2019, they were lap- leading all the way until Charles had that failure. Yep. And even, okay, probably not before that, then they were always up there, you know, uh, Ferrari, I felt. And I'm not discrediting Ferrari by any means. I feel like they are up there, right up there with uh, uh, Red Bull. Mm-hmm. But I just feel that after the whole race uh, Verstappen has had, everything going against him in Bahrain, I think he'll be fired up to take that pole. Just hope that he doesn't bin it into the wall again this time. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I would say he'll go for the pole uh, for the win. I don't know, man. Honestly, I don't know. It's just so hard because... Right. It's just so early on to predict who's still really real quick. Um, but uh, I'm going to go for Carlos Sainz to win. Yeah. Interesting. You took the words right out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> yeah. So now I have to change my opinion a bit. I still yeah. think, you know, Max will take um, pole for all the same reasons you said. Mm. Um, title win. Oh my God. Why do I keep saying title win? Race win. Race win. Um. Well, I guess I would say Lewis Hamilton, but if not, Charles. Yeah. I, I'm seeing a trend here. You're always, whenever you're going to say Ferrari, you're saying the title. So I know. I, I, are you secretly hoping for Ferrari to win the title this year? You know what? If if Mercedes aren't in the fight, then I would gladly take a Ferrari. I'd rather have Ferrari. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Okay. Yeah, I just, I, I cannot deal with another Red Bull win, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Not again. I feel the, the the worst thing about Red Bull winning is how unsufferable Christian Horner becomes. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. It's let's not go there. Um I'm honestly curious to see Matteo Binotto winning wins, man. Like he's he's just gonna be calm, cool dude, like right. just chilling, I guess. Speaking I mean, of Italian on the team radio. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean you think about F1, you always see Total Wolf and Christian Horner as the alpha wins. Whereas, like, Binotto is probably just a chill-back dude, you know, <laughs> doing his own thing, minding his own business. But, yeah, actually, I was really surprised to see Binotto actually was on the podium this um, Bahrain when he went oh, to yes, the Oh, yes, they sent him up for the Constructors' yeah. Trophy. Yeah, and I felt it was a really good touch by Ferrari. I think they just wanted to kind of show that, you know, Ferrari is back. So It's a nice, nice gesture, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, so I guess that is it. We've summed up our thoughts on the Bahrain GP and our predictions for the upcoming Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. And uh, well, hopefully we'll be able to post another episode after that race. If not, we will catch you at a later time. We will definitely be uploading another episode at some point. So yeah, we'll see you there then. Uh, Well, but until then, it's me, Tarun, and him, Yash, signing off. And uh, well, ciao, guys.